Welcome, Red Cube listeners. You're all very welcome to our latest installment of the Red Cube podcast. And I am delighted to introduce from Salesforce, uh, who leads up the employee success for Salesforce, uh, Mary Gallagher. Mary, you're very welcome. Hi, Cahill. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. So thanks for the invitation. Thanks for joining us, Mary. You're heading on holiday soon. I am. I'm very excited, as you can tell. Yeah, I knew you were excited when you say you said you, your second last day before holidays. It's always a good sign, right, for holidays. Yeah, I, yeah, I think particularly for your summer holidays, you, you need that extra excitement and, and get into the, the mood early. Absolutely. Well, listen, I hope you have a great time. We appreciate your time and thanks for, for joining us, Mary. Mary, for our listeners, you might... Um, you might give us a sense of your career history to date, kind of into your current role. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I suppose I now call Dublin home, but I am actually very proud to be a, a Limerick woman. So um, I, I spent a lot of my career based uh, in Limerick, and it's only in the last number of years that I've actually moved to Dublin since I joined Salesforce. And I suppose I started actually my path in HR very early. So Back 20 years this year, I can't believe it's that long, but um, I completed my degree in UL and I actually majored in HR. So I've actually spent my entire career in HR and particularly HR business partner roles. And um, as part of my time in UL, I had a really fantastic opportunity to do an internship in GCAS, which was uh, then part of the aviation leasing part of GE. I think it's uh, kind of part of AirCap um, now. And I suppose that experience, you know, fast forward a couple of years, I actually rejoined GE as the HR lead for their oil and gas and energy divisions in Ireland. So it was a real mix of industries. It was everything from oil and gas manufacturing to um, power plants um, around Ireland. So it was a, you know, GE really provided me with some really great development opportunities. And I even got to spend uh, a six month assignment in Malaysia. And I also uh, did a year in their healthcare business which was slightly closer to home down in Cork. Um, I think then, you know, around 2015, I made a transition. So made the transition into a completely new industry in terms of joining uh, tech. And, uh, you know, people probably don't know Limerick as, you know, we're not exactly known as the Silicon Valley of Ireland, but at the time Uber chose to open their first community operations hub outside of the US and they chose Limerick. Uh, at the time, their strategy was really to locate um, outside, a, you know, some of the, the kind of traditional tech cities. Um, and in that role, I joined as the site lead to uh, set up their Limerick operations, which has, uh, I think it still has about 500 employees based in the city centre. And but, you know, you join a startup, inevitably what happens is your role grows quite quickly. And as part of that, then my scope grew into an EMEA role uh, where I had responsibility for scaling their community operation strategy for all of uh, Europe, Middle East and Africa. And um, I was very lucky to get involved in, in setting up hubs in Krakow, Cairo, Lisbon. And I was also part of the team that um, was responsible for setting up Uber Eats for the first time in, in Europe as well. Again, also as part of that experience at Uber, I got to make the move to Amsterdam. So Amsterdam is a uh, I suppose very close to my heart, uh, it remains so. And I spent nearly three years based out of the HQ in Amsterdam. And, you know, my time, I suppose, at Uber really coincided with, you know, quite challenging times for the business. But I have to say, you know, I worked with some just phenomenal leaders and, and talent during my time there. 
I suppose then it came a point where it was time to come home. I'd been away for a couple of years and I was fortunate that my friend and former manager, Linda Aolo, had moved to Salesforce and was heading up the HR business partner team uh, here in Salesforce. So I suppose it didn't take a whole lot to persuade me. She persuaded me over a glass of wine and some cheese in Amsterdam uh, that Salesforce was going to be, I suppose, the right next step for me. Um, and that's how I landed at Salesforce. So I've been here for almost five years and uh, in a role that we call employee success business partner. So employee success is our equivalent of human resources or people team. And I've had a number of roles during the time. So most particularly partnering with our EMEA SMB sales organization and also our EMEA COO organization. And then uh, last October, I was very fortunate to have the opportunity to move into my current role um, and that my current role is partnering um, and with responsibility for Salesforce's hub and operations in Dublin. And I partner with Caroline Lennon, who joined us as country leader just uh, just under a year ago. Uh, so I work closely with Caroline and our site council on the strategy and operations then for the entire hub here in Dublin. Wow, Mary. So lots of lots of international travel as part of that uh, that career uh, history to date. And then uh, I suppose a more local piece. Um, a Limerick lady, right? As a long-suffering Dublin hurling fan, I envy the success of Limerick for sure. So, and actually, on the sporting team, so 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 last night, I I, I brought uh, my son to the Irish Gibraltar, the mighty Gibraltar game, Ireland Gibraltar, three 0 win, and it was one of those post-game pieces where you couldn't get a taxi or an Uber, so we walked from Aviva and we ended up down in the docks in Grand Canal. Yeah. across from the new Salesforce Tower. Yes. Um, and we were both admiring it, actually, um, last night. So it's an incredibly impressive building, Mary. Yes. Um, so Salesforce was based uh, out in Sandyford for many years. But in February this year, we officially moved into our Salesforce Tower. Uh, I would say that some people um, point out that it's not really a tower. It's more of a campus. Uh, it is only, you know, 10 floors compared to the 30 plus that we have in our towers in London or San Francisco. But I think, you know, the Dublin team are very much proudly standing by the fact it is a tower. Um, and I think that the nice thing about the tower is, you know, it's not just an amazing building. It is like it's actually, I would say, extraordinary. And I suppose we, we're so used to it, but it's really the reaction when we when people come in external to Salesforce and they come in and even people who are with Salesforce but external stuff and when they come in and just see the amazing facility and the design that's gone into the building everyone is absolutely wowed and it, it's really allowed us for the first time since pre-COVID to have all of our employees under one roof so we have it is one of the most sustainable buildings in Ireland and we have six dedicated employee floors and we have two what we call Ohana floors and, and we will at those floors, both those floors have uh, rooftops um, and we're going to be shortly opening them to both local community groups and to um, not for profit organizations so that they can avail and use those uh, floors for different events. And we also on top of that, we have over 60,000 bees on our rooftop. Uh, so, you know, the building was very much designed with collaboration first, sustainability and employee wellness in mind. And, you know, slightly moving away from the more traditional you know office just full of desks and, and monitors so it really is you know it is a phenomenal building we are very fortunate uh to to have custody of it uh right now and it was great we had an amazing official opening uh last month we had 
Um, over 10 different faith leaders join us for the official opening and blessing of the building. And we were also delighted to have Leo Varadkar um, and many other politicians. Mary Lou MacDonald was joined us as well, together with uh, dignitaries from, um, you know, including the, the Italian consulate. So it was just a really fantastic celebration of what is just an amazing building. And I suppose it's a real milestone for Salesforce. We've been over 20 years in Dublin, which I think a lot of people are surprised to hear, but it was an amazing kind of next milestone um, in the, the Salesforce history here in Dublin. And Mary, you mentioned the Ohana floors there. I'm familiar with sort of why Ohana is important to Salesforce. You might just give people a sense as to, to the relevance there with Ohana. So um, Salesforce uh, has had a very close connection with Hawaiian culture from the, the foundation. So Mark Benioff, our CEO, has always um, very much looked to the Hawaiian culture in terms of setting our values for Salesforce. So Ohana is how we refer to our Salesforce community. And that's not just employees, that's customers, that's partners. It's the communities that we, we work in. Um, and Ohana, then our Ohana floors are these amazing spaces that um, in Dublin, we're fortunate that employees can use these spaces, but these are spaces that we provide free of charge um, to not-for-profits and local communities. They can come in, they can use our facility to, to run amazing events. And it really allows us then to be really at the heart of the communities that we're involved with. Well, that's that's really unique to offer space, right? In, in the building, the tower. Yes. Um, to communities to, to come in and do do Salesforce team members get to see that in action and interact with with the work that's been done? Absolutely. So um so we're we're just about to open um from from this month onwards to to not for profits. But employees, you know, if they're involved with a not for profit or a community group, they'll be able to register with, on our portal and request. So people can book events up to six months in advance. There are certain events that we don't cater for. Um, obviously, to kind of keep, I, I would say, make sure that we can, it remains like a really special space for people to use. Um, but it's, you know, our employees also, you know, we have employee events such as all hands with executive visits. We have customer visits as well on site that uh, our employees participate in. And we it also connects usually, we have a huge emphasis on volunteering at Salesforce. Uh, employees are encouraged to do at least 56 hours of volunteering every year. We we track volunteering across our employee uh, population. And we're really fortunate that we have a great citizenship and philanthropy council in Salesforce in Dublin. Um, and we're partnering with them to really look at like the, the strategy around volunteering. And then how do we use our Ohana floor as a central part to, to really support that, um, that giving back? And it, it, I suppose it all ties back then to Salesforce is known for its one 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 model. It was one of the the first global companies to really adopt the you know one percent of time equity and product goes back to not for profits and our community. So that giving back is something that is central, and we really hold that sacred. You know our equality strategies and our volunteering. We we try and make sure that we keep those prioritized, no matter what the wider business context might be. Um, and I think that's something then that really resonates with employees and, and something that's really valued. Thanks for sharing that, Mary. And I, I noticed the language of custodian of, of the building as well, which is which is which is really interesting. And, and I suppose people listening, um, you know, 
hearing about Salesforce Tower, incredible building, 50,000 bees, um, the, um, the community element, which is really, really unique, uh, the 111 model. Um, and, and then they're sort of hearing about the debate around where people are working and where they want to work and post COVID and, and all of that. And, and, and what's your experience been, Mary? Are people, are people coming into, into the tower to work or how, how is that working out? It, it, it's been interesting because, uh, you know, I've recently been on one or two panels where it's really around the future of work and, you know, is, you know, is remote still like the number one direction we're going in or where are companies? Um, at? And I, I think it's been, you know, I, I, people have been interested when we've shared our experience. And I suppose the thing is Salesforce was always a hybrid work environment um, pre-pandemic. And obviously during the pandemic, then it, it did obviously shift to, to more remote work environment and particularly for Dublin uh the I suppose the nuance was that you know probably 45 percent of our employee base are you know are supporting markets across EMEA they are maybe not from they've relocated to Ireland to work for Salesforce to support those markets so in the pandemic we did see the shift where people returned home there was you know a, more of an emphasis on supporting that remote environment and we engaged what we called a, a success from anywhere strategy. And that was critical to ensure that we we got through that period of time. It, you know, it wasn't necessarily our long-term strategy, but it was really critical to ensuring that we had people were set up for success in that environment. So we spent a lot of time helping managers to, you know, how do you manage that transition to managing your team remotely versus, you know, prior to that, everyone kind of was in the office at least kind of four days a week. So I suppose that was, you know, that was a big shift for us at the time. And I think, you know, our CEO was very, um, very public around, you know, the need that we needed to transition to that to, to, to get us through that, that period of time. Now we have moved to what we call uh, return and remote. And, you know, this is really not, this isn't about, you know, HR or the business dictating what teams should do. We really try to empower our leaders to make decisions on their teams about how and where they work. So we set, you know, we set guidelines around, you know, the numbers of days per week or quarter that you may be, you know, your team may be expected to be in the office. But we don't just count it as days in the office. So we also count, you know, the time that people spend on the ground with customers. Or, you know, for example, next week we have a, a Salesforce event, London World Tour. So it's, you know, or recently for Ireland we had a huge innovation day where we had you know some of our our Irish customers come and, and spend a great day um in the in the tower so it's not just about coming in and doing you know heads down work it's a really around that combination of time in the office with your team collaborating um you know spending time with your manager collaborating with you know other functions and then it's also about that time with our customers really putting customers uh, customer success first and then it's also been about that wider Salesforce cultural immersion. So it's also, you know, our events um, play a huge part in that. So we're really, we really do allow our leaders to make the best decisions for their team. And, and we we try and do that as collaboratively, collaboratively as we can. I think what's encouraging, what we're seeing is we're seeing over a thousand employees a day come into the office in Dublin, uh, where I think the fourth most utilized office um, in Salesforce globally. And the atmosphere is electric. Uh, you know, it is so energizing. We have, you know, nearly 2,900 employees. We have 100 different functions on site. We've over 30 different languages spoken. So, 
you know, we are one of the most diverse Salesforce locations globally and, and in EMEA. And, you know, when you come into the office, you just get it that hits you straight away, whether you're at the Bristol bar downstairs, it's that there's just constantly people milling around, you know, uh, having their team conversations, having their one to ones, bringing customers around. It, it's there really is a, a real energy, a palpable energy that you get when you walk into the building. So people are enjoying being back and, uh, you know, people it's it's we don't have to encourage people to come back. Uh, we We obviously spend a lot of time thinking about employee engagement and how we can make it the best experience when you're in. But what we're really finding is that people are really enjoying coming in and they really see the value of connecting in person. They really get this, you know, that value of meeting people that they haven't seen in a long time, whether that's at a customer event, at a volunteering event, at an all hands. They just really love that sense of getting together and that sense of community. And I think that's something that we lost a little bit during the pandemic. But it's absolutely back, uh, I would say, with a bang. Um, and just the energy is just is just there for everyone once you walk into the building. It's, it's amazing. We're, more and more, we're seeing that shift, Mary, uh, back to sort of team ownership, team responsibility in terms of designing your way of, of working. Um, I know some organizations then, um, you know, because leaders are different, right? Some leaders may be better at kind of adopting you know, a, a style or an approach better than others. Any experience, Mary, with maybe how you how you would support a leader in terms of um, figuring out their ideal way of working, like any interventions? Or... Yeah, so, uh, you know, again, what, what we do is we use what we call, uh, we encourage leaders to use what we call a flex team agreement. So that's really where, you know, they bring their team into that discussion. So we, you know, we ask leaders to talk to their team around, why are you coming into the office? Is it for heads down work? Is it to collaborate? Is it for, you know, teaming events? So what we do is we ask them to really flesh out, to kind of have, I suppose, that just, you know, guiding principles that, you know, and, and behaviors that the teams themselves want to, you know, live by. So we encourage leaders to really use those flex team agreements as living documents, particularly when we first moved back into the building. It was that transition of, Maybe people being in the office one day a week because we were spread across different offices to then suddenly maybe being back two or three days a week. And it did take a while to settle in. And we found that those flex team agreements really helped teams, you know, kind of focus on, you know, what type of work do we want to do when we're in the office? What is it that we want to get out of our time in the office? And really then kind of, you know, saying, OK, well, this is focused more around collaboration. It's about peer to peer learning. It's about, you know, that proximity to your manager. And I think, you know, that really helps anchor leaders and their teams to, the, to you know, to all be on the same page. The other thing that, you know, we're very cognizant of for, for Dublin is um, we're, you know, we have a large early career population and we do feel it is important that that face time and that proximity to your manager is really, you know, critical for your longer term career building blocks. Um, so again, it's not about just heads down work. Obviously, sometimes that is, you know, that that's what you just have to need to do. But we really encourage people to come into the office for more than that. Um, and it really is great to see just teams sitting around, you know, talking through a problem, using our project base, you know, whiteboarding issues. And that's really what, you know, the building is set up to be 70% collaboration space. And, um, you know, we're still trying to find the right blend within that. We're now realizing, okay, maybe 
slightly too much towards collaboration. We may need a little bit more traditional desk space. But I think we really help, you know, we give high level guidance from the executive level in terms of the average expectation. And then we really leave it to managers to, um, you know, then design that with their teams and to agree on what makes sense for them. So what will make sense for a sales organization is not going to be what makes sense for our tech and product group or, you know, a, a HR function. So, you know, it does vary. And we've also created neighborhoods so that, you know, to make it as easy as possible for managers and leaders to really agree that working ways of working with their team and, and for them to be as successful as possible. And, and, and that flex term agreement creates a good sense of ownership for team members um, and actually forces a discussion around, well, well, how do we exist as a team? Like, well, what, like, how do we operate? What's, what's important? I, absolutely. And, and, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a great way because it is a living document. We don't want this to be just a point in time. And as things change or as we go through different cycles in the year, that might, that might change. So what it looks like at the end of the quarter versus, you know, the start of a quarter, all of that, we, we really leave it to managers to find the right balance. Um, and we're very pragmatic um, around that as well. I think the other big thing is, you know, the benefit of our success from anywhere strategy during the pandemic was that we really had to also not just rely on real estate, we had to rely on technology and our people strategies together with real estate to kind of unlock, you know, how teams will work together and new, and new ways of, of really being that high performance culture. And I think, you know, we use a lot of our own technology to really support leaders to also to simplify the employee experience. And I think, you know, that's been critical in terms of not just, you know, during the pandemic, but as we switch to back to more of an in-person experience, we use products like our Slack platform and, and that's really a central driver of our employee success. So things like, for example, I rarely use, rarely use email now, uh, you know, except for a call, if you email me, I keep an eye on my email for that. But internally, I use Slack for over 90% of my communication and collaboration. So I very rarely, I probably send less than 10 emails a week um, at this point. And Salesforce overall, employees are sending 43% fewer emails than they did pre-pandemic. And we've, you know, reduced the number of meetings by 20%. And it really helps employees to feel more connected. But it also means that when they're in the office, again, it's not about just being in a meeting room on a call with people, you know, with your teammates who are somewhere else. It, it's about you, you are really prioritizing that in-person experience when you are in the office. And, of course, what we're all pursuing is that level of performance, right? High performance, right? It's performance is important for every organization, yeah. what industry you're in. So what sort of... You touched on it there, Mary. Look, what sort of method structures do you have in place in Salesforce in terms of trying to understand and support those performance levels? Yeah. So, you know, at Salesforce, we, you know, as, as most companies do, we, we really look to drive a really, you know, high performance culture. And we try and balance that with work class execution. And as you might expect, we are extremely data driven and we do measure all elements of what makes a performance culture. But I think what is I suppose central is how do we ensure that all you know 70,000 plus employees are moving in the same direction and we do that through what we call our v2mom and that stands for vision values methods obstacles and measures and this is something that you know Mark Benioff created at the very start of Salesforce so this has been something that's been part of our 25 year history and you know it's been adopted by many other organizations uh, since then but 
it really starts with the CEO and it's about cascading that vision. How are we going to, you know, we have a saying, you know, if it's not in the V2 mom, it's not happening. So this is really, you know, helps drive our strategy and our execution. And the result is that everyone can trace their individual con contribution all the way up to the impact that it has on the overall company vision and strategy. And it really helps create purpose. It, it creates meaning and accountability for all employees, regardless of what role or function or, or level you might be at. And we track and review progress throughout the year. And to partner with that, we also believe in you know, ongoing feedback. And we, we do that through quarterly check-ins, individual development plans, and that's also built into the same V2Mom tool. So, and again, we, you know, leaders are held accountable for in, you know, ensuring quarterly check-ins happen. We track to make sure that everyone has published their V2Mom. And it's interesting because on, you know, maybe dissimilar to some other companies, you can go in and review the V2Mom of any employee at Salesforce. So it's completely open. You can, you know, go in and look at the company V2Mom at a Mark Benioff level. You can look at it at your manager level, at a peer level. So it really helps to really drive that, you know, complete picture so that, you, you know, all employees should be really clear in terms of purpose um, and expectations for them in their role. And again, you know, obviously our real estate does help in terms of acceleration performance. And, you know, with that, though, we also, as I mentioned earlier, we, we also try and make sure performance and wellness are not mutually exclusive. And we invest a lot in, you know, benefits and programs that really help our employees and their families be help, happy, healthy. We, you know, we, we want to make sure that all employees can bring their best selves to work every day. And actually later this year, uh, hopefully in October, we'll actually be opening the next phase of our Dublin Tower. And that's going to include a dedicated wellness space. And we're going to partner with vendors to deliver a full range of program of wellness events um, using that space for all of our employees. So no matter where I am in the organization, I can get a sense of connection in terms of the overall. Absolutely. Salesforce purpose, right? Which is, which is great, but that transparency about being able to see kind of for all is, 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 is a really, is a really big step, right? As well, in terms of transparency, is, is there anything done then in terms of, sort of a community around performance improvement or uh, how we learn together around how we make that extra step and step forward? Yeah, and, and again, Dublin is is a little bit unique in terms of um, its role going forward. Uh, so Dublin is actually going to be the home of our uh, in-person onboarding. Uh, so we started with some pilots back in April and May and Basically, all employee, all new hires will come to Dublin. They will complete their onboarding in person in Dublin. That commitment has been given by the CEO, our CFO. The money has been invested so that all new hires come to Dublin. And they, the reason is that they can get that, you know, our role in Dublin is to make sure that all new hires really, I suppose, have that cultural immersion from day one. So Dublin is really going to be that, you know, example of, what it is like to live and breathe Salesforce culture. And our role will really be to help new hires get that from day one. So they really feel bought into our company um, vision and, and mission. So Dublin is, is going to be unique. It's going to be one of only a number, you know, four or five hubs globally um, that will deliver that in-person experience. We're also, um, Ireland has over 400 uh, managers. Uh, so again, it, it's got a big population. A lot of them are first-time managers. And we're fortunate that Dublin has also been identified as one of our hubs for global enablement. 
So we will be delivering training to our sales, sales development, customer success groups in Dublin to really around leadership skills and development as it relates to sales organization. And on a broader level, Ireland, Dublin will also be the home for the development delivery of our people leadership programs um, when they restart uh, in the second half of this year. So we're really going to be like the epicenter for onboarding, culture, getting that cultural immersion, and also, you know, kind of regrouping on what it means to be a great leader, you know, what it means to drive a high performance culture um, in, in, I suppose, a new era for Salesforce. Uh, so it's really exciting because it's, you know, it's a great opportunity for us to not only use our real estate, but also I think it has a unique culture in Dublin. We have, you know, we have that long legacy. We're over, you know, we were the first location outside of the US for Salesforce. So we have a really unique perspective. And obviously there's a very warm Irish welcome uh, that I think everyone appreciates uh, as well. So it's great because we're gonna be really at the heart of driving that performance culture in a really positive way and making sure that everyone has the tools from early on to be able to execute on that with you know for themselves individually and for their teams brilliant and, and this is where ireland inc can really come into its own in terms of that welcome and that storytelling that experience that immersive experience absolutely and you know it, it it's great sometimes i joke that you know i i do feel like board thoughts sometimes because it's we have everyone is coming to dublin everyone's you know but it's so it, it's really rewarding when you just see the reaction that people have. And it's not just, as I said, it's not just about the bricks and mortar. It is, I think it is that unique sense of community and culture that people experience when, when they come to, to Dublin. And, and we really want to make sure that we, you know, continue that tradition. And, and that, again, as we said, we're, we're only the custodians. We really want to make sure that it's set up for the long term and that others are carrying that not just through maybe their time in Dublin, but also when then, you know, a lot of those who will on board in Dublin will go back to their own locations outside of Ireland. And we really want them to carry that back um, and be advocates down the line as well for the value that Dublin places. There's a pay it forward element as well. Absolutely. Um, so so I know equality is a, is a the journey to equality, the focus on equality is a big focus for Salesforce, right? Yes. Um, have you... Have you seen any linkages between the great work you do around equality and performance? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, equality is something that is, you know, has been super important for Caroline and I, you know, particularly over the last uh, 12 months. And again, you know, kind of post pandemic and post kind of being in multiple different buildings, we've we've had to really prioritize re-energizing our equality strategy um for Ireland um and it's again it's something that's probably been the most rewarding part of my first kind of 10 months in the role and you know as a simple level we we know we have the data and we we know that embedding equality into our performance culture we know that our values differentiate us we know it helps to inspire our teams to better serve and support our customers and each other with purpose and you know last year our data demonstrated that Having that inclusive culture has a direct impact on our company performance and our most our most inclusive sales teams on average had 12% better performance. So, you know, I suppose, you know, as we say, we measure everything. So we've looked at this from all different angles. Um, and I think particularly, you know, equality and customer success, they're two of our core values. And I think they're absolutely, you know, kind of interconnected. And, you know, again, our, Mark Benioff, 
from very early on adopted the mantra that, you know, business is the greatest platform for change. And, you know, Ireland has now been designated as one of the six strategic countries as part of our EMEA equality strategy. And the approach that we're taking is that 80% of our strategy is driven by global or regional programs. And then we've developed 20% at a country level with dedicated task force. So we started, you know, we looked at a lot of data. We looked at attrition, we looked at retention, we looked at performance, we looked at productivity. We, there was, you know, we, we spent several weeks really getting into the data to really kind of understand kind of where our hotspots were. And, you know, we did have to take into account the business context. It, you know, it has been a difficult year for Salesforce uh, in Ireland. It was the first time we've had to, unfortunately, had layoffs. Um, and we had to be sensitive to those changes and what it meant for the business. So, you know, we weren't kind of doing this with everything is is, is where we wanted to be. We understood kind of the impact that that would have. Um, and it wasn't just like ES reviewing the data. There was this task force that there was representatives from the business. There was colleagues from recruitment. We had our Office of Equality were participating in this. So it was a real combination of different perspectives. And out of this, then we have identified four key pillars for Ireland that we will you know, look to advance um, over the, the course of this year. The first was around women's advancement and retention. And we're starting with looking at our director plus population. And as part of this, we're completing focus groups and one-to-one -one interviews with over 70 employees. And we were really cognizant about not rushing off to create another new program. We really want to understand what it is that this group needs, what are their barriers, what are the obstacles, you know, to, to progression. So we, you know, I think this is the first time that we've really looked at that. Um, in the past, we've kind of looked at the data and said, yeah, you know, that program is going to fix that problem. Really, now we really want to kind of understand it a, a lot more holistically and really kind of hear from a broad spectrum of people who are actually living the experience uh, right now. So that, you know, so that we can really then add value in terms of whatever actions and programs we do um, deliver on post uh, those sessions. Right now, actually, the, I suppose that at a very high level, the sentiment is really positive. So I think, uh, you know, firstly, people are absolutely delighted that we're doing this. So I think that sense of being part of this, being given that opportunity to, to have a voice, to provide input, I think that's that's really helped that it's not like just something that's coming down from HQ or regional. So I think that's the, the first, you know, kind of wide feedback that we have that, you know, people are just really, I think, excited that we're taking the time that now we're not just rushing something out. We're really looking to, to kind of really understand. And I think overwhelmingly, you know, it, it's positive. There's, I think, you know, obviously this will help us really identify kind of where we need to focus. But I think it's it is nice to hear that. Look, overwhelmingly, people are positive about their experience, but they want to make it more positive, and and that's what we want. And I think we're just excited in terms of where that can maybe help us refine and and really focus our strategy in the second half of the year, and on also next year. If this is like a longer term strategy, this isn't just a this fiscal year, you know, fix and run. It's very much this is something that we'll see that will then look to expand to like next levels or different demographics in the organization. So I think this, the second group then that we really want to prioritize was our, our employee resource groups. And again, you know, during the last couple of years, it was really difficult for those groups to, to keep momentum. So what we've done is we've really focused on supporting our employee resource leads and helping them to align to an overall site strategy with very aligned events. And again, one thing that we, you know, as a group agreed on is we really wanted to look at the intersectionality. So 
it's not just about women. It is not just about, um, you know, other diverse minority groups. It's like, where do we find intersectionality? Where do we run programs and events that appeal to those who are part of our outforce community, those who are part of our women's network, those who are part of our bold force uh, resource group. So we really wanted to find that intersectionality so that we can appeal to as many people as possible, um, knowing that, you know, we, we want to make it easy for people as well. We want to make it easy for people to feel like they're part of that community. And we also want to make sure that we can scale and reach as many people as possible. So first, you know, so instead of our resource groups kind of running their own programs separately, you know, this year we have Pride, 40th anniversary. We have 75 people representing Salesforce this Saturday. We're really excited for that. And that's going to be supported by all of our resource groups. And, and they're all going to show up for each other. And I think that's something that, you know, is really exciting. And I think they really feel as well that impact that it's, it's it really helps that, you know, even further enhance the, the sense of community. We also then wanted to make sure that we had exec sponsors for each uh, resource group. So we have senior leaders who help to support each of those groups, making sure that they help them develop their strategy, that they show up to events, um, that they act as that, you know, additional advocate for the for those uh, groups and also to help remove any roadblocks that they may they may have so it's you know again we've made we've seen a lot of progress we're we're about to have our first quarterly equality uh business review so this is the first our, our first one and uh we're just really excited we're going to have that focal point every quarter where we look back at what we've achieved what's coming ahead and everyone will have the opportunity then to to spotlight and showcase the work that uh, they're doing. So again, it's really around re-energizing um, all, you know, re that sense of community and really using our equality strategy and our equality groups to really enhance that experience of being an employee, both at Salesforce, but particularly of being an employee for Salesforce in Dublin. And that sense of ownership and involvement flowing right through the new solutions to decisions that are being made is, is 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 great to see Mary maybe it's early days but is there anything coming back as to what is it about that diverse team that's actually driving that level of performance is it decision making or is, is there things driving that yeah I think it's you know I think the research will show you know having high level of cognitive diversity um is hugely important and, you know, we know that diverse teams, we, we see that, that having different perspectives, different backgrounds, different work experiences, bringing all of that together, like the value of a team is, will always, you know, will most times outweigh the individual decisions. And interestingly enough, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm part of a program at Smurfit and we did an exercise on this. It was about subarctic survival. And the, you know, the biggest learning for 26 of us in the room was, you know, the team score was always higher than the individual score. And that proves, you know, we're looking in Ireland, we, we have, uh, you know, we have, we're ahead of our global uh, ESG targets for female representation. And we're actually at uh, nearly 50% uh, women uh, representation for new hires uh, this year. So, you know, again, we we track and and we can see the absolute impact of having diversity of all types within our teams and you know it is something that you know we do track we do measure we look at our hotspots 
So it is something that it's not just a tick and done. It is something that constantly we're looking at that intersection between, you know, for example, we look at the impact of our our great your our employee survey results. We look at how those from uh, underrepresented minority groups, women, we we look at how they score different to, you know, males. We look at, you know, to non-underrepresented uh, minority groups. So we're very cognizant of really keeping an eye on all of those measures because if we don't measure it, we're not going to improve it. Yeah. Uh, so, and it really drives that accountability at all levels of the organization. But I think it, again, you know, having those diversity of, you know, of experiences, backgrounds, cultures, languages, sometimes it's hard to quant, you know, it, we, we measure it, but I think it's, you know, it, I think all of the research and I think what our experience definitely demonstrates that it, it has that impact. And I would say probably it feels like it has more impact than just 12%. That's the average. Um, but I think, you know, again, we, we, we can see that correlation, whether it's employee survey results, whether it's productivity results, whether it's sales delivery results, we see that across all of those measures. Thanks, Mary. And, and sort of starting out in your career, you chose to major um, in, in HR, if you like. Are, are you happy you, you chose that? that? Uh, yeah, I suppose I'm 20 years in <laughs> and I haven't I haven't changed path. Uh, you know, I would have. I think my other career would have been in in the guards, so I don't know whether I don't know whether HR and the guards are there's some correlation there, but um, no, you know I I have to say oh, I've been very fortunate with the companies I've worked for. I think I'm very fortunate with the people and and leaders that um that I've partnered with. So uh, I think we'll probably stick it out in in HR for another while, uh, unless I win the lotto, it might have changed my opinion. But no, I think it's uh, it's served me well so far. We can all dare to dream about the lotto. <laughs> Mary, how do you like to unwind? I know you're going on holidays uh, soon. So how, how do you like to unwind? Yeah, um, so I I do love to travel. Um, I there, I always have an extra trip booked. Um, I go to a great little gym in uh, Glastool. Uh, we have a great little community, do a lot of training. Um, I'm sure they, they're worried about the fact I'm not progressing <laughs> despite my time there. Uh, so that's a great, that's a great outlet um, during the week. I've also uh, recently, you know, started to kind of get back into reading. So back, you know, back in the day, I was a, a huge, huge reader on an ongoing basis. And I think sometimes over the years, it can be hard to, when life gets busy, it's hard to, to kind of factor that in. So I'm trying to to get back to incorporating reading and not just turn into Netflix when when at the end of the day so really getting back into that as I said big monster fan so we'll be back on the road this year uh hopefully with a spring in our step after the end of season and uh going you know so all of that together uh you know I always have something planned uh so yeah it's uh of course monster had a great finish to the season we did we did so I think that's definitely given us momentum uh, for next season. Uh, so looking forward to to getting back to Thoman Park. Mary, you've been really generous with your time and your insights. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It was a pleasure. Red Cube listeners, thank you very much for joining us today. Please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already done so. And of course, leave us a review and tell us what topics would you like us to cover in the future.